there's many mysteries in life, and one of the, the biggest mysteries I know of is what happens between 9.30 and 9.37 in this early service uh, on a Sunday morning. Uh, so you, you start off welcoming, nearly think you're going to be welcoming yourself, and then the room's full by the end of it, so it's, uh, it's great to see you all. It's great to welcome you here this morning. I'm just going to read uh, for us uh, from today's passage, and then I'm going to pray for us. Uh, the passage is Psalm chapter 16, and the whole of the chapter, and then I'm going to pray for us and pray for John as he comes to uh, speak this from God's Word. So Psalm 16, this is God's Word. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord, I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another god shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out, or would take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. Behold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand I shall not be shaken therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices my flesh also dwells secure for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption you make known to me the path of life and in your presence there is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore let's pray Lord God, we uh, welcome you here this morning among us. Uh, we welcome you to uh, come and speak to us this morning. Uh, we welcome you to come and, uh, and change us and just uh, do a work in our lives by the Holy Spirit. As we hear from your word, as we hear from you, uh, Lord, we want to meet with you this morning. We want to know your presence. Uh, so please, Lord, just help us to uh, to bring uh, what we've brought to this this building this morning, what we've brought in our lives this week, uh, to this place this morning. Help us to bring those things to you, knowing that you are the God who who knows us, who knows what's going on in our lives, who knows what's uh, what's happening for us. Uh, but you meet us where we are, and as we come, Lord, this morning, you meet us, each of us, exactly where we are. Lord, as you meet us where we are, you also speak to us where we are. So Holy Spirit, move among us. Uh, help us to, to hear from you. Help us to focus on you. Help us to, uh, to set aside any distractions uh, to hearing from you and meeting with you this morning. I want to pray for John as he comes to, uh, to speak from what he has prepared in your word. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would bless him, that you would anoint his words, that you would uh, just help him speak to us uh, directly from your heart that we would go away moved and changed by you Lord I thank you for the, uh, the privilege it is to gather as your people as your children before loving father and Lord as we do that now uh, come and speak come and move come and change us for your glory Jesus Amen Not all uh, oh, boom. 
Uh, we are in our second week of our series in the Psalms over the summer, and as Ali has read for us today, we are in Psalm 16. And I want to ask a question just as we begin today, uh, just of you, really. Uh, it's this, have you ever really been or ever really felt that you are in real significant danger? Like there's a threat to your life or a threat to your security or or have you ever really felt that, like that sick feeling in your stomach where you, you feel as if, if, if things were to go a certain way here, this would not be good? I, uh, I'm not fussed, and I know this is a bit of a silly illustration, but it's just a reality. I'm not fussed on deep water. Like, I mean, I don't, and I don't mean like the swimming pool. That's not deep water. I'm not fussed on like being in the middle of the ocean. Uh, there's something very insecure about that for me. I still haven't figured out how a ship, like that much weight can stay afloat. I just don't get it. It's like an airplane for me. I don't understand how those things, like just don't get it. But there's something definitely insecure. Something makes me feel insecure about being in deep water. I just don't like it. Uh, I can remember years ago, we'd been taken out of Kilkeel Harbor on a, on a small, it was like a wee thing with a motor on the back of it scared the absolute life out of me. It was like hanging on. I just don't like it. I felt insecure. I felt afraid. You have that sick feeling in your stomach of being insecure. Psalm 16 is, is a prayer of David's for security. David is coming before God, and he is praying that he would be secure. This psalm is written uh, almost 3,000 years ago. King David here is asking God to protect him and deliver him from threatening circumstances. That's what he's up against. He says, preserve me, O God. Verse 1, Psalm 16, verse 1, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Further down the psalm in verse 9, he's, he's able to say in faith, my flesh dwells secure. So what David is looking for is security. And if we've ever been in those circumstances where we feel completely insecure or afraid or threatened, we can identify with the way that King David is feeling in this psalm. And what I want to do this morning is consider, as we walk through this psalm, I want us to consider a few, thing, a few things together. One is I want to look at why David feels insecure. Why does he feel threatened? And we get to see that in part during the psalm, but we also get to see it just by, by David's life in general. Why does he feel threatened? That's the first thing I want to look at. Then I want to look at from the psalm, why does he feel threatened? Second thing I want to look at this morning is sources, false sources of security. So first, why insecurity? Then second, false sources of security. And then thirdly, from the psalm, we're going to look at the only one true source of security. Those are three things. Those are the outline for today. If you're a note taker, that, that's the outline. That's where we're going today. Causes of insecurity, the sources of false security, and the only true source of actual security. So, why does David feel insecure? You know there can be many reasons in life why we feel insecure. 
And David starts out here this psalm by praying for preservation and protection. So what does he want protecting from? What is the big thing in David's life or the big things in David's life that, that he feels as if he needs to, to be protected from, that he needs God to step in and, 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 and deal with these things for him? So we can see some of them in the psalm, but we, we need to tease it out a little bit further than that. First of all, if you read through the psalm here, preserve, verse 1, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, You are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the Lamb, they are the excellent ones in whom all my delight. And then verse 4, The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out nor take their names on my lips. So one of the first things that we see from, 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 from David here that is causing him insecurity is that there is pressure from his peers. If you know uh, the history of Israel, uh, you may well know that, especially in the early history of Israel, you will know that idolatry and the worship of other gods was, was, was a constant problem for them. We read throughout the Old Testament, literally Israel's history goes like this. God says, don't worship other gods. Israelites go, brilliant, we'll not do that. What do they do? Worship other gods. God comes back, disciplines them, says, don't worship other gods. Brilliant, we'll not do that. What do they do? They worship other gods. This was the continual pattern throughout the Old Testament. But it is also the continual pattern throughout every single generation that has ever been. Like, I say this is written 3,000 years ago. And the problem of idolatry and, and idol worship is every bit as prevalent today as it was then. That's the reality. Israel was, divi was, was, was a divided society when it came to those who would worship idols and those who would worship Yahweh, the one true God. And David felt the pressure. He felt the pressure to conform. There is no doubt in David's life, in King David's life, in his position, he was under pressure from both sides. He was under pressure from those who were worshiping Yahweh to say, David, you know, you know the story. You know the, the God who led us out of Egypt. You know the God of the Old Testament. Like, you know God. Worship Him. And then on the other side, you have uh, the, the, the uh, idol worshipers who are going, David, forget Forget about that. This is the one. These, these here, see, these, these statues and all these lovely other gods that we have, they're the ones to follow. And so David, there is no doubt David felt the pressure. Straight after him, his own son, King Solomon, found the, the, the pull of idol worship too strong. And succumb to it. David here is feeling the pressure from both sides. He's feeling the pressure from his peers. And so what he says, he says, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after other gods 
shall multiply and their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out nor take their names on my lips. David is saying here, I feel the pressure, but my, my security is found in worshiping one, the one true God, Yahweh. I think it's hard sometimes for us to fully identify or put ourselves in the place of the Old Testament people when we think of idol worship. We're pulled away by idols of, of slightly different kinds, and I want to say a, bit, a wee bit more about that in a minute. But, but for David and his peers, pagan idolatry was a powerful draw. It really was. So he feels this pressure. That was the first thing that, that, that David felt insecure about, this peer pressure, pressure to conform, pressure to go another way. The second thing we see that, that David felt insecure about as a source of insecurity was uncertainty around the future. If you look down at verse 7 and verse 8, I will bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night, and also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me, because he, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. One of the great sources of insecurity for all of us is uncertainty about the future. We spoke about this during our series in James. None of us know what this afternoon will bring. None of us. And it causes, it causes us to, to, to fear. It causes us to have insecurity in our lives. Like, I could, I could genuinely, I, I would love to go around the room and ask you, you know, what are you most afraid about? And I guarantee you for 100, almost 100% of us in the room, it's something that is yet to come. It's something that's yet to happen. And if you're anything like me, you'll make up a hundred different stories, a thousand different stories of what is yet to come. And you'll worry about that. Uncertainty about the future. David says here, I will not be shaken. So that alludes to the fact that he's, he's, he's quite anxious about what's to come. Peer pressure. Uncertainty about the future. And third, the reality of death. These are all things that David is seeking security from, from, from God. Peer pressure, an uncertain future, and then there's the reality of death. That's the theme that, that occupies the psalm here in verse 9 to the end of the psalm. My heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure, for you will not abandon my, my soul to show or let your Holy One see corruption. Sheol is the Hebrew word for the place, for the realm of the dead. David faces that and yet says he doesn't quake. Death is just a reality for us all. Whether we're a believer, whether we're an unbeliever, death is a reality. My, my grandfather grandfather Irvine on, was a believer for most of his life. Uh, but yet, in his later years, especially in his later years, you'll go out on a Sunday 
and you'll go down to the room and he'll be lying in bed. Uh, and his famous words almost every Sunday, like this is a believer for years, his famous words every Sunday was, John, just not sure what's out there. A believer for years. He was afraid. He, he felt the fear of death. Now, I don't know whether that was a deficiency in his teaching or what he was taught or what, what, what was going on there, but he was afraid. We all know fear strikes the heart when we hear the word death. You hear the word cancer. You hear about a car accident. You hear about a different illness. What's the reaction? Fear. Insecurity. Death is inevitable. But all of us, all of us find it hard to think about. We all find it hard to think about. And so here are David's three causes of insecurity. And I wonder, just if we pause, I wonder do we recognize them in our own lives. Peer pressure. Feeling the pressure to conform from both sides of, 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 the, of the house of Israel. Uncertainty of the future. Are you there now? Are you sitting here this morning and you are uncertain of what's around the corner? You don't know what's coming and you're afraid. We try to do everything in our lives to, to try and ease that tension. And then there is the reality of death. And those three things can shake our confidence. That's just the reality. They can. They can crowd in us. They can cause us anxiety. They can cause us stress and fear and all these things. You've probably, I say probably found that to be true. I was going to say possibly, but you've probably found that to be true. So what can we do? What is there to be done about those things? Well, before I want to, before I answer that, and before we, David answers that in a psalm, I want to, I want to, so that was, those are the sources of, of insecurity. What about the, what about the false sources of security? Before we try to answer what can be done, I want us to turn and look at, at, at some of the false sources of security that David comes on here. One, people found security in idols. People found security in idols. Again, verse 4, the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply, and their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out nor take their names on my lips. You see, the gods of the ancient world that David is talking about here were, were gods of fertility, gods of war, gods of power. And, and to appease these gods, the, the, the system worked pretty easily. It was, it was a pretty straightforward deal. And so, what you would do is to have these gods look favorably upon you, is you would appease these gods with whatever offerings these gods would, would demand. So if you gave the, the, the fertility gods the, the appropriate and required sacrifice, then the, the belief was that the fertility gods would bless you. If you wanted success in battle, you, you appeased the war gods. If you wanted success financially, you would go to the god of whatever it was, money. 
That's how it worked. You paid the appropriate sacrifice to buy them off. Right. Now, what we do is look at that and be like, fools. We look at them and think, fuck, need to catch a grip of themselves. In our, in our smug, uh, tax-savvy age where we would never, ever dream of idol worship. That's just silly. It's foolishness. But maybe we shouldn't be just so fast to go there. We don't make statues or perform rites to appease our idols. But trust me, money, power, and acceptance are every bit as real of an idol today as they were then. That's the reality. And we run after them with every bit as much energy as the people of the Old Testament did. Tim Keller writes this, We may not believe in literal divine God beings of beauty, wealth, pleasure, or fertility, but we all live for something. And if we live for and love anything more than God Himself, we are trapped. They become the things we have to have. So we run exhausted after them. But this leads, say, and, and Keller is quoting verse 4 of Psalm 16, this leads to increased suffering. For life inevitably takes them from it. The reality is this. We may think that idol worship in an Old Testament sense is foolish. But what are you living for? What are you living for? What am I living for? Would you not agree with me that these things, these idols, are the very source of insecurity in our lives? Money, power, acceptance. They are the very thing. Like, you think about the world we live in, and you think about the, the, the social media world that we live in. What, what's that all about? What, what is it all about? Like, let's just be honest. What is social media all about? A social, social media platforms are all about the like button. That, that's what they're about. I can, say this in the first, I can say this here in this service. I'll not be able to say it in the second service because Anna will be here. But she completely ripped me out the other night on this. Right? We're walking down the street, and she was like, You've, you, you used me. I was like, what? She was like, you've used me. I was like, what do you mean? She was like, you put a photograph of me on Facebook. And I was like, what do you mean? She was like, you did that to get likes. 
Dang. Do you know what? She's 100%, right? Why? To feed my tiny little ego. So the people like my post. What am I doing there? I am running after the idol of acceptance. That's what I'm doing. Thanks, Anna, for the kick in the right place. See, we fool ourselves. We fool ourselves if we think we're not doing this. We're all doing it in different ways. We run after them. And the more we run after them, the more we find ourselves enslaved to them. Someone asked uh, John Paul Getty one time, very rich man, uh, how much money was enough? Do you know what he said? Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Gareth and I were talking before the service about... uh, if you're familiar with golf at all, you'll have real, uh, you're probably not, but uh, if you have any sense. But uh, there's, a new, there's a new tour has opened up, and uh, you know, this, uh, the PGA tour's over here, and this has been established for years, and then there's this live tour has opened up now, and, and it's basically all about the money. It's basically just all about the money. So you have millionaire golfers, millionaire golfers, who have changed allegiance of a, of an, of a an established organization for, for years and years and years. They've changed allegiance and switched over to this other thing. What for? Money. And they're, now they're coming out and they're just unashamedly saying it. How much is enough? Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. David says, those who run after other gods, their sorrows will multiply. Multiply. So we look in the wrong places for security. So, what is David's antidote? First of all, we have the causes of insecurity, then we have the false sources of security. What's the antidote? It's not too hard to see. It's not too hard to see. There should be only one place where we find, there is only one place where we find true security. And it's written all over this psalm. Verse 1, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. For in you I take refuge. You are my Lord. I have no good thing apart from you. David looks to the Lord alone for his security. He don't, now, now let's, be, let's be clear about this. He doesn't look to God uh, as others look to their idols, as, as if, they, if they appease them in the right way, then, or, or as I say, rub the lamp in the right way, then that's, the God will dispense security uh, as and when we need it. No, that's not what David's saying. He doesn't look at God as this, as this cosmic dispenser of security and gifts. No. He says this, I have no good thing apart from you. 
Where is the security? In what God gives? No. His security is in who God is. It is in God Himself. I have no good apart from you. What He's actually saying is above you, beside you, beyond you, nothing good. The Lord Himself, who He is, is David's security. That comes out in all the ways which the psalm develops. You see it, for example, in verse 5 and verse 6. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. What David's talking about there is the literal lines have fallen for him in pleasant places, as in his, his territory in Israel. But David is saying the Lord is his true security. The Lord is his portion more than money or pleasure or material wealth or, or power or whatever it may be. The Lord himself is sufficient. Now, let's just stop and think. Is that our reality? Let me ask a real hard question of us all, of me. Do I love God for what He gives, or do I love God for who He is? Do I love, love God for, for what He gives, or do I love God for who He is? I pickle my own brain. That, 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 that's, I pickle my own brain sometimes, especially in prayer. Because I, I, I find myself praying, and that's, that's right. I find myself praying and thanking God for, for the gift of Jesus that, that came and, and gave himself for us. And that's good and right. But then I pickle my own brain by sitting there thinking, but I should just be thanking you for you. who you are, for the very being that you are, not just the gifts that you have given, not just the gifts. Do we see God as all we need? Or are we running after false gods like David talks about? Is he our deepest joy? We, we sing that song. I'm not even, I don't even know the title of it. But we sing that. I think it's, the actual title is Jesus is Better, is it? Not sure. But we sing that, right? We, we, stand, we stand in here. And, and I've said it before. I've said it. We, we, if I went up to you and said, do you know what? You're, you're a liar. How would you take that? You wouldn't take it too well. Guarantee you that now. You're all sitting there going, I'd take it all right, John. Would? You're not, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. I know that. If I went up to you and said, you're a liar, you wouldn't take it too well. But we'll, but we'll, we'll, all, we'll all play the game and we'll all in here and we'll be like, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. But do we really believe that? Do we genuinely think that 
In all our sorrows, Jesus is better. In all our victories, Jesus is better. In every circumstance in life, Jesus is better. David gets that here. I have no good thing apart from you, Lord. No good thing. God himself is the only true source of security. David in verse 10 says, verse 10, verse 11, he says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand pleasures evermore. Even beyond death, David tells us that we can know the fullness of joy and pleasures forever. Why? Why? It's a really important question. Why? Because God is there. Because God is there. You see, David isn't saying to us that we're basically on the right path. We're right in the, in the way where we're trying to find our security, but we're just looking in the wrong places. He isn't saying that. He isn't saying that God is simply a better way to get what you need. No, he's saying that God himself is our security, our pleasure, our inheritance, our joy. We get him, and that's enough. We get him. What makes this psalm even more remarkable is that this is, again, one of the, one of the psalms that's known as a messianic psalm. It's speaking about Jesus. So if you look at verse 10, it says this, For you will not abandon my soul, or my soul to shoal, nor let your Holy One see corruption. Who's that talking about? Jesus. That's talking about Jesus. It is a psalm looking forward to the Christ that will come, who will not see corruption, who God will not let see decay, who on the third day the stone rolled away, he rose from death and defeated death. This psalm, this, this portion of this psalm is actually about Jesus. Jesus himself defeated death, and now he presides over the future as king. The world is full. I haven't watched. I, the la last night was the first night I watched the news in I don't know how long. But I flicked it on. And I wish I hadn't bought. Past prime ministers being shot. Sri Lanka is in turmoil. The world around us, folks, is full of insecurity. That's the reality. Your life, sorry, this may, this may spiral people out of control. Your life is full of insecurity. Things can change like that. Uncertainty, insecurity. Today, what we find in this psalm is the opposite to all of that if we're in Christ. 
David felt pressure from his peers to conform. People saying, come and worship idols. People saying, worship the true God. He, he felt that pressure. You possibly feel that pressure, but you don't have to. You don't have to because you've been set free. If you're in Christ, you've been set free and you have full acceptance. You don't, this is, this is a ridiculous thing to say, right? Go say it. You don't need to please anyone. I thought that would have got an amen. Maybe not. Because I know most of you are out there living your life to please everybody else. You have full acceptance in the eyes of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Yes? Full acceptance. You've been set free. You don't need to feel the pressure from your peers. You don't need to feel the, the, the need to conform. You don't need to feel, to feel that certain way to look. You don't need the like button. You don't need it. Because God in His infinite wisdom has created the ultimate Facebook page and put a big thumb on you. You don't need it. David realized that there was uncertainty all about him, uncertainty about the future. If you're in Christ, what is there to be uncertain about? You know the future. You know the outcome. You know where we're headed. You know you're going to die, and you know you're going to be with Christ. Yes? Amen. Takes all the guesswork out of it, yeah? We don't need to feel the fear or the, the, the peer pressure because we've been set free. We don't need to feel uncertain about the future because we know because of Christ, we know that He has won and He has secured the future for us. And that's why there is no fear in death. None. We can walk out of this room today and not be like my grandfather. We can walk out of this room today and we can know 100% that we will be with Jesus. How simple. If we have confessed our sin, He is faithful and just and He will forgive us our sin and we will dwell with Him. What more security do we need? Answer? Just in case, I was expecting an answer. None. None. David nailed it. David nailed it. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand pleasures evermore. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you so much for your word that, that gives us these assurances that we're free. We're free from the pressure to, to fit in. Thank you. We don't need to worry about the future because it's secure in Christ and there's no fear in death. Thank you for who you are.
you are an awesome God who loves your children deeply. Thank you for Christ. He has been so good. We love him and we thank you. In his name, amen.